Welcome to episode 419 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, the only pinball podcast with exclusive world gameplay footage of Retro Atomic Zombie Adventure Land. Um, on this episode, we are going to talk to Derek. Derek is down in Houston, has been at the show, has played this game uh, many, many times. So what I wanted to do was just ask him what it was like playing Retro Atomic Zombie Adventure Land. Now, we know if you read Pinside that Derek is a fan of the game and he likes the game, but I wanted him to articulate for us uh, all of his feelings about the game. Because oftentimes, too, on Pinside, you're not really having a debate or a dialogue with people. And that thread has just become another one of Pinside's perfect, toxic, dumpster fire threads in which so many people who have never played the game who have never stood in front of the game, who have never done anything other than log onto the internet to complain about something new pinball related, are jumping in there and, and giving their two cents. But I, I've heard from many people who have played the game, and the overall consensus is that the game is really fun to shoot. There's a lot in it. And you'll hear when I talk to Derek, uh, you know, I ask him, you know, does the game have that magic, that J-pop magic? Does it deliver on all of the hyperbole that Deeper has been promising us. Now, I think it's important that for all of us just to remember that this is just a prototype. This is not the Deep Root package, okay? We've never seen anyone ever do this before. We haven't. And this is why I think it's hard for people to know how they should respond to this prototype. We've never seen a company put a game out for people to play to show with the caveat that all of this can change, that this is not the cabinet, this is not the artwork, this is not the play field we're going to use, that there there may be things mechanically that we adjust before we launch this game. This isn't the final, well, this isn't the final code. We've seen that before. But you know what I'm saying? It's hard for us to stand over this game and fully understand what their intentions are because I think all of it, all of it when we see the final Deep Root package needs to, needs to feel special. And I do think it needs to feel more special than what we've seen so far. Now, again, that's not to say I don't like what I see. I, I do I do like what I see, and I do love J-pop games, and I, and I think it is probably a lot of fun to shoot. But that's not what the promise was in terms of what we would get from Deep Root Pinball. It wasn't just to make another you know, good pinball machine. It was actually to push pinball forward in a lot of different ways. And I think if we look at the game so far, I'm, re I'm not seeing like a mech that pushes anything radically forward. Um, the display is cool, but we've seen a lot of great displays from companies like Jersey Jack Pinball and Stern Pinball. You know, the sound's not blowing me away. The lighting system in the game is not unique at all. But again, I think that's to come. And I say this to Derek, I think like the Deep Root Cabinet will have different lighting features that we're not seeing in the standard cabinet, all right? So him and I have a great discussion about this game, uh, but after this point, I don't think we're gonna see much. And I wouldn't show much more if I was Robert and Deeper. I would let people, you know, once again, sort of uh, let it go and see what they come back with with the final product. But I don't, I don't think it's a smart move to show games really early and make consumers part of the development process of the game. It doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore with marketing. It's just you have to drop it on people in the most spectacular way possible and then open up the order books that day and then ship people those games in a few weeks. Like that is the only way to be commercially successful in pinball. And so the real question people should be asking is basically can they get manufacturing ready to hit the deadlines now we know they have to hit? 
right? June 30th is the end of it, but they, you know, I think they're going to want to have games available to buy around TPF in March, April this year. So we'll see. We'll see. Okay, everybody, Derek talking about Raza. He played the game. I didn't. Maybe take what he says a little bit more than what I say. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for listening to Canada's Pinball Podcast, episode 419. Okay, amongst all of the pin side debate and drama about Raza, we have someone who actually played the game at Houston multiple times. Derek, welcome back to Canada's Pinball Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, and Derek, I, I'm super excited because this game uh, is almost like seven years in the making, and finally, it's out there for people to flip. So, what I want to do on this episode is is just get your impressions of what it was like to play this game. We'll talk a little bit about the features. How does that sound? Sure, sounds great. All right. So, w- what was it like walking up to this game for the first time? I mean, you've you've got a Pirates of the Caribbean, you've got a Star Wars, you've got this. Talk to me about your first impressions walking up to the game. Well, we arrived at the show Thursday night while everyone was still setting up. And we went to go walk around and see what was going on. And we saw the Deep Root folks setting up and doing some test plays. And so obviously we were excited to see the game. And, uh, you know, we kind of hung around and started taking pictures and taking video of them playing. And they were super nice and super gracious. And I asked if we could play it and they kind of, you know, got their okay and said, yeah, sure. So we got to do like two or three games that first night. Not a lot that, that first night, but you know, we got right. to, uh, got to be the first ones to jump on it, which was pretty cool. Um, first impression was, um, I was probably drawn to that corkscrew ramp first. And so one of my first games, I nailed that ramp right off the bat and the deep root folks were like, wow, that's, that's great. You know, you hit it really hard. And so I was kind of encouraged by that. Um, Another thing that hit me right off the bat was there's this little wiggle track on the left of the screen or left of the play field rather. And when you have a kickback, it shoots up in that and it looks optically like it's a straight lane, but the ball zigzags on top of it. And it's a very neat optical illusion. It's got a little clear plastic track that causes the ball to wiggle. But the first time you see it, it's like, whoa, because it looks like the ball's doing something impossible. Right. So that was pretty fun. Uh, so that's on the left out lane. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, it's really hard. It, I, I guess that's the other thing too. When you look at a picture of a J-pop game statically, it's really hard to understand what's going to happen with the ball, wh- where things are supposed to go, and and I think that's probably uh, making it difficult for people who are just looking at images, right, to understand the, some of the whimsical magic or different stuff the ball is going to do, right? I mean, you can't get it from a photo. Yeah, I mean, I would call those moments of delight, you know, nailing the ramp and the wiggle track. Those were the initial moments of delight right off the bat, like before I'd even gotten a read on the rules or what to do or anything. So this big ramp has been a, a topic of discussion. I'm looking at it right now. And so basically, Derek, if you hit it strong enough, it loops around and goes all the way to the top and then drops into the the sort of the right plastic ramp that returns it to the right flipper. Is that what happens when it gets to the top of that corkscrew? We actually found that it can return to either one of those return ramps. Ah, so can is there a diverter up there? I'm not sure if there's a diverter or if it's just kind of a physics thing where it just depends on where it falls. But yeah, it goes either way. So is that the only way to get the ball to the left plastic ramp that returns to the left slingshot? It looks like is 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 it through the corkscrew? Uh, you may be right. 
Yeah, I'm looking at the play field right now. Right? I'm, I'm I mean... trying to look at like that's always the thing with J-pop games. Is like, how does the ball get from A to B? And and so I'm looking at the left ramp, and I'm wondering how you access that. It looks like it's all connected somewhere in the back there. Yeah, yeah, underneath where the top of the hill right is for the the um, the the ramp. Now, how hard um, was it to get up the top of that ramp? Because I keep hearing we've heard from some people on Pinside it was really difficult. That maybe you know some guy said he hit it like one out of twenty attempts. Do you think the flipper power was the issue, or, or you just have to nail it? I think that people on Pinside are looking at six minutes of video footage and making an assessment that's incorrect. We watched lots of people play it. We played it ourselves. And you don't make it every time, but you make it at least, you know, every time you play the game. It's I'd say it's about 40 to 50 percent. Uh, they the engineers there said they actually put a lot of effort into tweaking that to get the field just right. And, you know, to me, it felt that way. I don't think it's it's not one of those things that's frustrating either. So it's like if you don't make it, you're not screwed. It it rolls back down and there's a hole in the bottom of the ramp and it drops it in that center area kind of to the right of the atomic shop. Okay. All right. So the ramps are a will continue to be a, a big topic of discussion. And was it just in terms of nailing it, though, you kept saying like it's very satisfying shot to hit. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Now, this game looks packed with stuff, Derek. So as you were playing it, what kinds of toys and things you were interacting with? What 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 stuff really gave you those I think you used a great was moments of delight. What what was what were the most delightful things to to shoot at in this game? So there were a couple of things. Um you know, when you start with a new pinball machine and you don't know the rules, you kind of revert to what's flashing and shoot the thing that's flashing. And they made that really easy. There's a big flashing hot dog insert near the back that says shoot Ned or target Ned or something like that. And there's a moving target back there that goes back and forth. And so you start hitting that and that lights the zombie letters on the play field. And if you get zombie fully lit, you get a multi ball. So that's kind of like the first thing that I was shooting for and trying for. And that was fun to do. Um, it's a, it's an interesting shot because I mean, it's a moving target. You have to nail it, not just where you want it, but also time it so that it will hit the target. Right. And you know, that's, uh, that's something unique for me anyway in pinball. Right. It does. Have you played, I, I said, this looks like the goalie in world championship soccer. Have you played that game? Is it sort of like a similar mechanism there? Just the back and uh, forth? I, I can't say I've played that one, but it wouldn't surprise me if they borrowed from things that have worked on previous games. Right. Okay, so that lights zombie. What what else? Uh, walk us around some of these things. I'm seeing an atomic shop. I'm seeing a zombie spinner head. Sure. So the atomic shop is there's a, a stand up target in front of it, and when you hit it, it drops open to let you shoot the atomic shop, but it only stays open for about five seconds. So you have to very quickly get it in that shop. And if you do, that's a mode start. And ah. the mode that I saw most commonly when we started that was called Hall of Mirrors. And this is kind of like if you remember those like um, slide puzzles where there's a you know heads on the top and bodies on the bottom and you have to slide them together. Um, yep. The screen displays those, and you have to get Ned, who is your adversary, displayed on the screen. And shooting the left orbit moves to the top, and shooting the right orbit moves to the bottom. And so you're aiming for the orbits to get these things to slide in place to make Ned appear. How talk to me about the the orbit shots? Are they easy to nail? Um, they are moderate, I would say. Um, the nice thing about the orbits is they return to the flippers. So it's not like a case where you have to worry about it coming out of the orbit and manage it to keep it from draining. Gotcha. 
Okay, and 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 when you talk about the code, that's the other thing. You know, there's just a there's a bunch of crappy cell phone video of this game being played. And I did the best I could, man. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> like, I, it's just b- between the lighting and over the shoulder. Like, nobody had. Here's what I'm shocked about. Here's what I'm shocked about. In a world in which we have all these pinball streamers, right? So many of which went to expo with their gear and yada yada nobody showed up at this show with a good with good gear to get a good stream going of the game i'm shocked i blame myself it, it was i should have brought my stuff it. you should have done it you would have been I, I love it some other some other podcasts were like this is the world exclusive gameplay and it was just like over the shoulder crap there was no there was no exclusively set up great gameplay walkthrough of the game and i think because of that People were saying that there was no code in the game. Now, talk to me about the code and and if how how it sounded. Like, what was what was going on with that screen and with the audio? So, um, the first video that I posted on uh, YouTube on my YouTube channel, you can hear the audio because this was before the show got busy and we and they had the volume turned up pretty well, so we were able to hear some of the sounds. It's got some nice carnival themed music, like you would expect. Um, really nice sound effects, some good spinner sound effects. There's a rotating duck uh, target on the left, and when you hit that, it kind of makes this evil, echoey, zombie duck quack sound that's kind of amusing. Um, How's it sound you know, compared it, to a Jersey Jack machine or a Stern I, machine? I would say it's definitely on par. This is David Teal. I mean, right. what else would you expect? And, and the quality of the audio is, is on, on par as well? I believe so, yeah. I thought it sounded great. Okay. And then let's talk about the screen. So what was the display like? How'd you like that stretched screen? I thought the display looked great. The animations are very smooth and they transition in and out of interstitials and back to the score display very elegantly. I I really feel like this was top-notch animation work. Okay. And were there a lot of call-outs? I think when I was watching streams, I was just trying to get it was hard to get a sense of like the narrative, right? Because when we saw the deep root intro video to Raza, there's there's all this narrative and the story about what you're about to go into this you know adventure land with that, that has zombies and ned How, was there was there like a lot of call outs and was there some sort of narrator walking you through what you're doing in this game at this point you know i i'm not sure if i remember call outs specifically right. um there there wasn't any kind of an intro or a story that i could see but i, I wouldn't really expect that at this stage i mean it is important to point out that this was a prototype game so that they could get code debugs, you know, get bugs found in the code and also get feedback from players on what they like and what they don't. Right. So I and, don't expect this to be the whole enchilada at this point. Well, and and I'm sure that a lot of what they were just trying to do is see how this stuff holds up under, you know, 48 hours of constant play uh, at a show, which is which is sure. they're pressure testing these mechanisms. All right, so there's a Ferris wheel as well in this game, right? How do you how do you activate that thing? So if you nail the orbit, the left orbit, it falls back down into the Ferris wheel and then gets returned to you. Oh, okay. so it gets the Ferris wheel is fed from the back. Okay. And it rolls the ball forward and then comes back out through that that orbit that says atomic. And what's this what's this shot on the left side that has like a a, a ramp or a jump ramp into a target? What, what, what's that? So I think that's pretty cool. That's the daredevil ramp. And so the way that works, you have to nail the shot with enough velocity to make the leap and hit the target. And then it falls back down and kind of opens back up to let the ball return to you. Gotcha. I think that's a neat mech. Uh, when you do that, there's like a daredevil motorcycle jumping cars and stuff on the screen. It's kind of cool. 
Interesting. You know, it's such a J-pop game. I mean, it's hard. To, there's like, there's like rabbits, lightning bolts, vampires, Ferris wheel. It's like there's so many strange elements happening at once. That's why I'm really curious to see how the storyline kind of, you know, connects them all and weaves them together. On the right side, this is something that I saw in Magic Girl. There's that black disc that spins. Was did that activate? How how did that thing uh, get implemented into gameplay? It got activated. I can't say I had enough play to know what it's about, what starts it, and or anything like that. I did see it move though. Okay. And then on the right outlane, there is a Magnus save with it. With there's two buttons on the right side of the cabinet, correct? Yes. Okay, and the lower one does the magnet. Were you able, or did you see anyone ever successfully activate that? Yeah, I did. did and it, it worked as you would expect. Okay. Yeah, it just holds the ball All and right. release it when you want. Okay. No, I, it's it's interesting. Cause some of this stuff definitely was on, on the Magic Girl that I had. Um, if you were to say, you know, looking over this game, are there any other elements that were missing in terms of toys and features that you want to talk about? Uh, well, there's a couple of things. There is, uh, what did they call it? A tube. Um, there's a, a ball lock to the right of the attack Ned target. And um, I forget what they that. call that. Yeah, yeah, there's like a, a, a vertical hot dog. Not even a hot dog, just like a, an oval-shaped insert above the letter Z. And okay. that points to a ball lock. And so xenon, you can lock balls. It's a xenon shot, it looks xenon, like. Xenon, xenon tube, that's what it is, Yes. And the balls get locked underneath. It looks like. Can you see them underneath the play? Is that is that is that where they lock, or is it a? Um, I, I think that's just a, a lit insert. I'm not really uh, sure. I think though. you're right. I think you're right. Now let me let me let's zoom out a little bit because you are right. This is a prototype, and I asked I asked Robert at Deep Root, is everything we're going to see mechanically in the game in the game? So I think this is the game. I, when people say there's more to come, uh, what what is going to come? is the final deep root package of this game, which the, it seems like the cabinet will be different. The playfield material, right? Robert said you could take a sledgehammer to a deep root game, right? Ain't 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 nobody taking a sledgehammer to a Merco playfield wood in game, right? So <laughs> it's interesting to see what comes next. How did the artwork look? Because it looks very green and purple. And did it look better in person than some of the photos we're seeing? It did to me. Um, I'm actually really disappointed with the way the photos came out. Um, there were two machines, and one was very dark, and um, the GI on the game was very dark. And I, I gave them that feedback that it was really, you know, a little too dark. The other machine was directly under an overhead light, and so it was much easier to see. And that's the one that I played most, and that's the one that I shot video of most. Um, but the downside there is it gave everything this weird greenish tint for whatever reason. Right. You know, um, when I had the my... art to me. Go ahead. No, go on. The art to me looked really good um, in person. It's a combination. It is like a an electric green. You know, it's like a fluorescent green. I almost wonder if it is fluorescent. Like if you could have maybe some black lights to really accentuate it on the the final machine. I don't know. Who's the artist? Did they t- did you ask? Did they did they tell us? Oh, I didn't ask. I should have. No, oh, so much for being the Canada correspondent. That's going to get you guys all the answers you want. No, it looks yeah, a little I, bit. I'm I losing Z- this job. Zombie Yeti did the first Raza art package on the playfield. I I don't think this looks like Zombie Yeti, um, but I'll, I'll, we'll get clarification on that. So here's here's what I think is going to happen too, because this game does look very dark, and my Magic Girl was like really dark when the lights went out. But 
I fully expect the Deep Root final package, Derek, to have a built-in sort of pin stadium-like lighting system in it. There is no way. And this is why I think a lot of the innovation and what Robert's bringing to pinball is still a question mark because this isn't it. Like, this is not the Deep Root package. This is just John's game thrown into a standard cabinet for to mm-hmm. get testing on the playfield mechs. So it's mm-hmm. hard for us, right, to sort of fully understand the the the, the full experience that this game is is supposed to fulfill for us. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, what I saw was really exciting to me. You know, I I would buy one of these now if they had them for sale because we really had fun playing it. And if there's more to come in terms of innovation around the cabinet and everything, that's just icing on the cake. Right now, in in terms of value perception as someone who you have a you have a stern star wars pro you, we know you love jersey jack games where do you where does this fall at and i know it's a prototype but where would you put this does this feel like it has the premiumness of a jersey jack where they could charge 75 to 9 does it feel more like a stern premium like what 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 was your perception of of where this game might fall in the marketplace you know, we had a pretty lengthy discussion about that, um, me and my buddies, and it, I'm not really sure. Um, it's kind of like if they sell this at a Stern Pro price, it's an insta buy. Like it's absolutely, you know, no question I would buy it at that price. Um, if it was a Stern Premium price, Jersey Jack entry level price, still probably there. It's got a lot of stuff in it for the game, um, for the price, and I, I think it's still probably there. Okay. I, I don't know if there's going to be different trim levels, you know, like like the other manufacturers do or not right yeah and then when you look at a j-pop game it, it it's it's always like it's always uh, hard to to imagine them taking stuff out because his stuff is so like zany wacky and weird but it all kind of needs to go together to make the game work the way he envisions it so i i don't think you're gonna see like a pro version of a j-pop game uh but so do you so there's a there's a long road to go from this game to production and mass production of these games. Do you think Derek they're going to be able to hit their deadlines of April March at the earliest with June 30th at the latest they said to get these games out the door? Well, the feeling I had was that this was really far along and you know, doing this kind of public test debug cycle is part of the process on getting the thing done. Um I really, I have no way to assess whether they'll hit the target or not, but you know, right. I think they've got a good shot cause they were really far along. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be interesting to see if they can get the hype back though. Right. Because this is now we know the game, you know? So then I've been saying like the full deep root package, does it have enough of an, of a wow factor that they have yet to show us? Right. And that's going to be something I'm curious about. The other thing too, Derek is this game, has been in development for almost seven years, right? Can you imagine Derek giving Eric over at Jersey Jack Pinball seven years to develop a game? Well, you know, is the seven years really fair? Because there were some, you know, different companies involved and some restarts involved. I mean, you know, All right, let's let's cut it in half. Imagine giving Eric three and a half years to tinker. That's on- a game I'd buy. <laughs> well, I guess <laughs> I guess my thing is, and I know you love the game. I guess I would. I'm zooming out and I'm just asking one question though. After all these years, after all this development, after all this time, you know, John had to like work on the game. Uh, and, and I just want to voice what I'm hearing from some other people as well. 
Is there one mechanism in this game that just feels like it has the wow factor? Well, um, you know, as I said, my favorite mech was the ramp with the, the hill that you climb. Um, I understand a lot of these. I'm Remember, I'm kind of new to pinball, too. I mean, I got into this in 2017, and I don't really have a lot of interest in the older titles. And so some of these things have been done before. And I didn't know it. Like, for example, the Ferris wheel. I'm like, man, that's really cool. And then, you know, my buddy walked me over to a hurricane and showed me that it has two Ferris wheels just like it. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they're using a proven mech that they know works. Right. Um, you know, the uh, Dizzy Doozy, the little spinner that's like the Totan lamp, that's kind of fun to hit. Um, you know, I, I, I can't really give you an assessment that there's anything that's, you know, that's, groundbreaking just because right. my perspective on the hobby is different. Well, you but you, you know, I think when we when we've heard a lot of the talk of like, where do you see the innovation? Where do you see what we push forward? Um, yeah, I think it's as I look at it, I'm like, well, I don't really see it in in terms of like a mechanical standpoint right now. So I'm wondering where that big innovation is going to lie within the company. It does look like a J-pop game. It looks like they fixed a lot of the problems with Raza, and you know, I'm curious to see how they approach Magic Girl. Uh, moving forward as well uh, and also right there's a lot of other designers that are making games for deep roots so this is just like a john game you know what is a what is a dennis norman deep root game going to be or barry o or a you know a john norris so they've got other people designing games as well so uh curious to see how they how they share their portfolio with us moving forward so derek um all right so on a scale of one to ten how excited are you for Raza after playing it? Um, I'd say eight or nine. You know, this is the game that I spent most of my time on at the show. It's a game that I would buy if I could buy it today. And every time I finished a game, I wanted to play another one. It has that, you know, one more time thing going for it, which is what I look for in pins. Right. Um, any Willy Wonkas at the show? No, there weren't any there. Hmm. Okay, so I know, and you're waiting for your collector's edition now. Walk me through when you're getting it. Uh, I believe uh, sometime around the 25th is what my distributor said most recently. So it might so be my, a true Thanksgiving. I hope so. Um, my SE just went out the door about 30 minutes ago, and so we have Wonka uh, depression in the house right now. And you said you almost killed yourself bringing the thing <laughs> yeah. downstairs. It was kind of funny. Um the Escalera is not to be trifled with. Uh, it's a great tool, but you have to be careful and you have to maintain the balance point. And um, I carried a Jurassic Park up the stairs with it by myself and had no issue. And I kind of I was overconfident maybe. So the buyer went out to take the legs out to his car and I started going down the stairs. And while Jersey Jag games are heavy as hell, they're much heavier than Stearns. And the balance point caught me off guard and it started tipping forward. And it was kind of funny. I was literally screaming help, calling the guy's name, leaning back with all of my might, trying to keep the thing from going down the stairs. Oh uh, fortunately, God. he came back up and, and bailed me out, and, and it went out the door fine. Um, so be careful with the Escalera, folks. It's an awesome tool, but um, don't do it by yourself. Make sure you got somebody around. Right. What was the Houston show like? Was it you've been to some other shows, correct? Uh, was it big? Was it small? Was it like a just a was it a grand old time? What? what it was uh, it was on the smaller side. The other pinball shows I've been to, I've been to California Extreme and I've been to TPF, and both of those were bigger shows than this. So this was a smaller show, right? Um, 
probably evenly split between pins and vids, I would say. Um, okay. Gotcha. You know, it's Most of the games, I, I think, are supplied by people attending the show. Uh, Marco had a booth, of course, and they had a bunch of Jurassic Parks and a bunch of Elvira's. Why do you, you know, just going back quickly to the conversation around Raza over the weekend, why do you think there's so much cynicism on pin side before anyone's played this game? Do you think it's just some carryover from people's feelings on J-pop or what, what are your thoughts? Because I'm, I'm reading this and I well, see you jumping in there, Dick. I know you're very active on pin side and you sort of, you always come to the defense of a game. <laughs> so what, well, what do you think's <laughs> happening? So, okay, I'll speak to that separately but um what me coming to the defensive games but i think that i don't know okay may some of it might be people that are burned and and have residual j-pop feelings that's certainly a possibility i think there's just an overwhelming need for people to find something negative with games it's almost like people want to talk themselves out of needing it so they don't have to buy it and it's not just this game it's every new game they'll find something that they they nitpick on and they say okay well it's terrible and so like a bunch of people were like oh the ramp's unmakeable this game's terrible and so i had to close down ramp gate by showing some double flipper actually make the ramp. Um, so I don't know. I just, I, it, it's disappointing to me because, um, the reason I come to the defense of these things is that, I mean, it is a very difficult thing being a maker, getting a thing from an idea to an actual physical thing that someone can buy. There's a million steps in between there and a million things that go wrong. There's successes and there's heartbreaks and there's frustrations and there's wins. And it's a, you know, I always have respect for the folks who do that and get something out the other side, even if it's not exactly what you wanted, even if it doesn't, if it's not what you envisioned, I still find that there's things that can be appreciated about it. And, you know, if it's not your thing, that's cool. Um, but I don't feel the need to kind of crap on it. Right. You know, I, I was I was reading the comments, and, and it, it does seem like if someone says, you know, I'm a, I'm a great pinball player, and I played in it, and I didn't like it, which is just one opinion. You know, it gets like 40 upvotes. Like, people are really excited that someone didn't enjoy the game. <laughs> and if you come on there and say, hey, I played it, I really enjoyed it, you'll get like maybe eight upvotes. So there's definitely a mob that does like to gravitate much more towards a negative assessment of someone who played the game versus a positive one. Fortunately, I give no shits about upvotes on Pinside. Right. Now, what about, so I'm, I'm just reading some of the feedback and, and people are saying like the animations weren't that great. Were, were, were there mo any animations or people just didn't see them? Like, No, was... there were animations. I, I'll go through some more of my video because I took a lot of videos. I just haven't vetted them all. And, you know, sometimes I want to make sure I'm not like capturing a private conversation or something that doesn't need to be broadcast. Right. So I got to go guys, through like, them. I but... just cheated on my wife and now I can't wait to yeah. jump on Raza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean yeah you know i, I want to vet those things but anyway yes i thought the animations were good um when you make the the hill there's an animation for that and when you don't make the hill there's like a fail animation where the the uh, uh the car's going up the uh uh roller coaster end up getting lifted off by a ufo um they were smooth too that was the thing it wasn't janky where it looked like it was flash animation like you know, we've seen in some other games. It was like it was smooth. It was like JP DeWin quality to me. Right. You know what it was I think what would adversely affected people's response to some of these videos was someone put up a video to show that the ramp could be made and the video had some dude hitting both flippers at the same time, which is clearly the the, the how you don't play pinball. And so I think people responded to that being like 
can we get a video of someone who knows what they're doing? And 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 because of that, everyone just sort of uh, dismissed the that video that the ramp could be hit because of you know clearly it was some newbie who jumped on the machine because you know how it is on pin side, right, Derek? No one who's new yeah. is allowed to give any opinion. Everything has to come from the expert tournament <laughs> players, or else we throw it out. Well. I, I had some really good games when I was playing it and threw up some decent scores, but I can't video and play at the same time. And so when I grabbed, I'm the one who grabbed the video of the, the double flip guy. And I grabbed that because he and his friend that were playing made the ramp a couple of times. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to capture this so that I can show people that the ramp is not as bad as they're making it out to be. I mean, it's kind of amazing to me that off one two minute video, people are like that didn't have someone clearing the ramp. They were all, you know, ramp gate in full effect. Right. What, Talk to us. We didn't talk about the the way the game plunges. It, it, right. It comes. It, it, does it just like kick right out to the left? Yeah, I'm looking at the pictures. I, I as I recall, it does not go through the orbit. It just kind of comes out over on the right side of the play field, if I remember correctly. I have to go back to the footage. I thought it shoots. I thought it shoots the ball left, like it flies right to like a, a target to the left or. I'm looking now at the uh, original artwork of Zombie Adventureland with the big Godzilla and the Attack from Mars looking guy. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Some Obviously, they had to remove some stuff because of IP infringement, uh, Godzilla yeah. being one of them. Hmm. Um, one interesting thing about the shooter lane, it's got a spring for the left edge of the shooter lane. Yeah, why, why and, is that? Does that cause that to do anything? Uh, uh, I, that was my question. I'm like, is, is this just for fun? They're like, yeah, it's just for fun. So it's um, it, it gets twanged sometimes and kind of vibrates in an interesting way because it's not a straight spring. It's kind of it's got, you know, wide and narrow parts. So it has kind of a shape to it. And when it vibrates, it looks neat. So I guess that's all it's about. Right. There's a lot going on in this game. You know, as, the more I look at these photos, it, it's. It's so much more difficult when you look at a J-pop game to understand the madness that he throws on to, into these games. But it's also why people do like the J-pop games. Um, but Derek, have you played his older ones like Theater of Magic and Tales of the Arabian Nights? And Sure. And so in comparison to those, because I want to give you my opinion, then I want to hear what you think playing Raza. I, I don't know if like this game like has the same level of cohesiveness in terms of like putting magical toys down within the theme that it that he's trying to convey in a way that like you understand like if i walk up to two tales of the arabian nights i see the big genie i see the big lamp i see you know there's that awesome disappearing magnet in front of the genie if you bash the genie it it, it activates the, the, the genie multiball um what what about this game does does it does it have that sort of cohesiveness or does it I don't know. Does it feel a little random and sporadic when you're on it or in front of it? Well, you're not wrong that there's a ton of stuff all over the play field. And there's a lot of stuff to do that I haven't even like fully absorbed yet. I mean, for example, the right orbit has some kind of bowling component to it where you can get strikes. And I heard it, you know, calling out strike, it's bare, things like that. Um, so I don't even know what's going on with that whole aspect of the game yet. Right. But the thing, the main thing that pulls you in, I know you're always looking for like, what's a way to get started in the game. I want to know what to do when I walk up on it and not be overwhelmed. And I would say that they did nail that because the Ned target in the back is lit and flashing. And it's like, this is the guy you're trying to hit, hit this guy. Right. And so if you don't know anything about else about the game, and I didn't, when I rolled up on it, 
that's the thing that draws you in and that starts, you know, progress. Right. I think the thing that's missing for me, and I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll just be blunt with this, the, the trunk in Theater of Magic, the disappearing magnet in front of the genie and the shooting star ball saves on Tales of the Arabian Nights, the ringmaster in Circus Voltaire, right, who pops mm-hmm. up with a ball magnetized to his head. I just don't see a mech that feels anywhere near as like wow as those things and it's all coming from the same designer so i'm just in my head i'm just wondering did john stand in front of amazing engineers at bally williams and just pull stuff off the shelf or or they were able to figure out how to make his stuff really become impressive mechanisms i'm just not seeing that same level of wow in any of this stuff. I'm not saying the game doesn't have a ton of cool toys because it seems like it does. But you know what I'm saying, Derek? Like, there's just not that thing right now that I see. Well, well, sure. You just named some of the greatest toys in pinball history. Absolutely. Like, period. Um, but but isn't and, that – but this is my whole point, right? If you're going to innovate and you're going to push pinball forward and you're going to come out and say like, wait do you see what Deep Root can do? Like wait do you see like how we bring the imagination of John Papaduke to life? Uh, I'm kind of like, uh, where is it? Well, you know, um, where's the thing? Where, where's the, you know what I'm saying? Where's the, where's yeah, the levitating I mean, ball? Where, where, you know, even like Houdini has the ball shoots three feet into the back of the, ca- like, where's the thing that just makes you go? I guess that's my point, right? It's, oh my God. Did you see what the ball just did? That's always been my thing. Man, now Derek, yeah. you might be right. The ramp might do that, but it can't be a ramp. Can't be the only thing. Yeah, fair enough. All right. I mean, you know, I'm interested to see what they do next. Okay. You know, and how this game turns out when it's finished. I will say this, my friend. I am always. I'm always. I uh, not always. I just appreciate your positive, optimistic feedback in the hobby because I think you balance out a lot of the negativity. And even reading this thread, I'm like watching you take a million arrows as you just try to be like, <laughs> "Hey, I like pinball." <laughs> like, and all these pinball people are just trying to like crucify anyone who's having any enjoyment in the hobby. It's um, it's sad to me. You know this this whole thing is supposed to be about having fun, and you know if it's not fun, go do something else. There's plenty of other hobbies. Have you seen the guys at these shows? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get kidding. Hey, man. Dude. You know, it's the internet. we're all unique in our own way. It's the internet. It really is the internet. It, it is a dumpster fire cesspool of negativity, and you just have to roll with it. But, Derek, I want to thank you for taking your time to give us your feedback on Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland. I don't think anyone else knows when we'll be able to hop on it next. Here's my here's my guess. We're not going to see we should not see this game. And this is my advice for Deep Root. We shouldn't see this game again until it's in the final Deep Root package, right? I don't think they're going to tour this thing around the country as it is. What do you think? Yeah, I think that uh this was done for a very specific purpose to, you know, gather data. And I think they've done that. And, uh, you know, I think you're right. I, I would also keep it close to the vest until you're ready to do a, a proper reveal with the final package. I think the data acquisition was a little bit spin. You know what my guess is? I think Robert just needed to get his team to finish something like a, a hard ass deadline to get that team to put, to go pencils down 
we need something playable, done, and ready to go out there for people to you know hop on. And 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 they achieved it. So whatever the reason was, we, we might not know uh, the ultimate reason. They got the game to the show, and it didn't seem like it broke down a lot. Was it was it working the most of the time you were there? Uh, it was. There were some glitches now and then, which is to be expected at this stage. Um, the engineers were basically watching people play, and if something went wrong, they addressed it right away. Gotcha. Hey, was the glass in it non-reflective glass, or was it just a standard glass? <laughs> I, I I think it was extremely reflective glass. I think oh. I would call it Visa glass. God. Come on. Uh, I need to, I need to, I don't know. I don't know why companies like show stuff without the best possible glass available. Anyway. Um, well, well, they didn't know the lighting situation they were going to be in at the show, I'm sure either. So, Yeah, well, here's my thing too, is nobody said that Deep Root had to show it on the floor like in that scenario. Like, I'm always like, look, if you can launch your company and you can launch your game any way you want, right? So imagine the show is at is there. Is it part of was it part of a hotel or was it a convention center? Like where was it at? It was a convention center attached to a hotel. Okay. Well, Deep Root easily could have had a hotel suite a la Dutch Pinball and had people up in a room and had a little bit more of an intimate, better lighting, better I you know, I would add mystique and curiosity and one person comes into a dark room at a time that's all black lit and there's your zombie retro atomic like, you know, prototype testing experience. Because ultimately I do think it's only diehard pinball fanatics that are aware of Deep Root and are considering these John Papaduke titles. Because outside of that audience, nobody cares about J-pop or another game or you know or Zidware games coming to fruition. There's no there's no demand for that in the real world. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Okay, you're right. Uh, normals don't uh, don't view pinball the same way we do. Nah, but like Willy Wonka comes with millions of fans, right? Star Wars, millions of fans. Jurassic Park, millions of fans. Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland, maybe a few hundred fans. You know, and, and I mean that, like a few hundred. <laughs> Those other IPs have millions of people that are that could be potential buyers, right? So, so you're right, and and you talk a lot about how theme is critical. And, you know, there is definitely a component of that. Theme helps sell machines, no question. But if you look, some of the greatest games in pinball history were not themed games. Theater of Magic wasn't themed. Tales of the Arabian's Nights wasn't themed. Yeah, but there's and a, so, there's a big know. difference. Here's the big difference. This is like this, and you're right, but go back and look at the total volume of sales for those games, and they were crappy compared to themed pinball machines. Adam's family sold 20,000. 20,000. Yeah, that's I, I a fair think, point. I think Circus Voltaire sold like 1,200. And and they couldn't even give them away. This is the best part. If you really, I mean, there was a point in this hobby where there were just like Circus Voltaire's in boxes that nobody wanted that were, the people were just like buying them for like 1,500 bucks off of like distributors back in the day. They couldn't even unload them. Now, you know, it's, it's weird because J-Pop's game games took on more prominence after after they were commercial failures back in the arcade day they were not that popular back then so you know that's that's interesting because you know in the arcade hobby the same thing holds true some of the games that are most sought after by collectors now were complete duds during the well back and they, in the day like, well, like quantum for example yeah ma- like major havoc right major havoc arcade yeah. games sells for like eight ten thousand but here's the thing 
it's only valuable because it's rare. Major Havoc as a game sucks compared to Donkey Kong, Miss Pac-Man. It's terrible. <laughs> and and I think Quantum does too. I mean, people who love it will disagree with me, but you know, they they stunk for a reason. Yeah. But I think but just but you are right though. Like Medieval Madness, Attack from Mars, and Theater of Magic and Tales of the Arabian Nights. Like these games get ranked in the top twenty pinball machines of all time because they also are stellar games that are incredible to flip and are um, amazing worlds under glass. So I, I do agree with you. All I'm saying is it's 2019. And if you have a new game coming out and we, we already can buy all of those old games, right? And there's all these new companies pushing pinball forward. I think it's an incredible time to be a buyer because our expectations are so high right now that if you don't bring out something that just blows people away, I think almost everything that's just mediocre will be met with sort of just like shoulder shrugging, underwhelming responses from the community, which is great because it means that developers and manufacturers have to do more to get our money and our attention. What do you think? I think you're right. Um, You know, with the games being in homes now, people are looking for more. I think you've got a good point. Yeah, because you want to own it for a really long time. It's, It's different when I'm just taking 20 bucks to go pop into a barcade and then you know just if i just want to have a little bit of fun that's cool if i want to own it for like seven to nine to fifteen thousand dollars it better like wow me i think we i think everyone agrees with that i think so i agree and and i like the games that have the deeper rule sets that give you things to work for over time and so that you don't kind of have a shallow experience yes you can't own a game with a shallow rule set you can't yeah you you, you just can't well you can for a small period of time well, only if you have a big collection it. that also has deep rule set games. You need to have the yeah. balance. Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, sure. Derek, thank you for taking the time. Uh, thank you for being our on-the-ground correspondent at Houston. I appreciate it. Always always a pleasure to have you on. I hope you get your Willy Wonka CE in a couple weeks, and we will have you back on to talk about uh, what your CE experience is when you get it. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. Looking awesome. forward to it. Awesome, brother. Have a good day. You too. All right.